We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We just thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to sing praises unto you, to give to you, to fellowship with you, to come together because of you, Lord. We just want to just say thank you, Lord. So, Father, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that we hear directly from you. We just want to hear directly from you. We want to be open vessels. We want to be molded by your word, by your truth, not man's word, but your word, Father. And so, Father, Lord, we just ask, Lord, you just bless this time, Lord, as we go through your word and hear what you have for your people. We pray, Lord, that we have hearts of flesh, that we may receive your word and bear much fruit. Let not our hearts be stony, Lord, or rocky, Lord. Let it be as a flesh, Lord, receiving your word and bearing much fruit for your kingdom building. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Part two. Part two, setting our minds on Christ. And we're going to go straight to the word of God. I want each and every one of us to uh, invite each and every one of you to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to do a quick recap, but we're going to go straight to the word. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And I'm going to read it, but when we get to verse 17... I want us all to read that together when we get to verse 17. So Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1. I'll begin in verse 1, but when we get to 17, we're going to read it together. Here's what Paul says. If you then have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, 
meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. The message. There's a Bible called The Message. I'm just going to read what it says just for the first four verses. Listen to this. And I like how uh, the message articulates what we just read. But I'm just going to read the first four, first four verses from the message. Paul says this from the message. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along. Eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on earth, you will show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. As we remember from last week, Paul was very concerned about the saints at, in Colossus. He was really concerned about them. He was so concerned about their minds being taken captive. And that word captive can also be translated as kidnapped. He was very concerned about that. If you remember from last week in Colossians 2 and 4, this is what he had said, just to give us a little reminder. And this is what he was concerned about. He said in Colossians 2 and 4, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. So he was very concerned about the Colossians uh, being captivated by all of these great philosophers that was doing that time, by all of these, these sayings, by all these things that really sounded good, but they weren't true. And a lot of people were just taken captivated and forgetting the things of Christ and going according to the traditions of man. He was very concerned about it, and I believe that God is very concerned about it today. He's really concerned about that today, about our minds being captivated with so many different things. The internet, the television, people on the job, people everywhere. It's like everybody now uh, has an, uh, a venue for spilling out their philosophies, especially in today's technology. Anyone can set up a YouTube channel and come up with all these great things and make it sound pretty good, but when it don't line up with Christ, we, we're able to discern 
that it's just vain philosophy. So here's the question. How do we develop a heavenly mindset? How do we develop a heavenly mindset when we live in such a world where, with the internet and, and all these different philosophies and all these you know, people are even uh, still predicting when Jesus Christ is coming back again. They're still doing it right now. All these different things saying that this religion just has your mind captivated. It was used to control you. All these different things. And if you're not careful or if you're uninformed or don't have the spirit of God within you, it appears to sound like, yeah, that do sound kind of right. And so Paul was very concerned, and I believe God is still concerned about our minds being captivated, being kidnapped. The theory being is that the mind is being taken from one place to another place and being held there. Something that we today should still be concerned about. And Paul gives us here some ways to keep our minds from being captivated. He continues on in chapter 3. So how do we have a heavenly mindset? I'm sure all of us have heard this before when dealing with someone who is spiritual. And I've heard this many times. He said, you're so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. How many of you guys have heard that? I've heard that many times. But I also say it the other way too. I believe that so many people are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good also. So however, but when we look throughout church's history though, it was the ones who were the most heavenly minded that did a lot of good for God's kingdom building. So having a heavenly mindset is very important for advancing the kingdom of God. Having a heavenly mindset, it is important, not only in our lives, but for the whole entire uh, population here. Having a heavenly mindset is important. It is for this reason, the mindset, Satan is always attacking the believer's mind. He's always attacking the believer's minds with doubts, with fears, worldly thoughts, technology, anything. He wants to keep the believers from focusing on what really matters. That's what Satan does. And all of us are a target. It's like we got a bullseye on our mind. He wants to captivate our minds with all these different things. All these different things. So this is what Paul was referring to when he says to the Colossians, he says, seek those things that are above. And he's referring to Christ and his kingdom. Seek those things that are above. So the believer's mind should be, we should be consumed with heavenly things. That's what our mind should be consumed with. In scripture, those who practice the right thinking, they received a lot of blessings. Those who had a heavenly mindset, they received a lot of blessings. Isaiah 26 and 3. Isaiah 26 and 3. I want you to read this with me. Isaiah 26 and 3. He says this. You keep it in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Referring to God. Because he trusts in you. So the person's thoughts, whose thoughts is consumed with God and his kingdom, they'll have perfect peace instead of anxiety. Instead of worrying. We find ourselves anxious or worried. We find ourselves maybe captivated or deluded with these convincing arguments, as Paul has said in the previous chapter. Then we can conclude, if our minds is always wondering about that, if we're always worrying, if we're always consuming all these things, then we can conclude that we're not setting our minds on things above. And I'll be honest with you, the Lord really convicted my heart concerning this. 
And especially as adults, we have so many responsibilities, your mind is consumed with this, it's consumed with this, it's consumed with this, and you're worried about that. And Paul says, look, we need to keep our eyes on things above. So our mindset is very important. What does your mind, what does it say about you? It's a great it was a question that as I was preparing for this sermon, it really just struck my heart. It's like the Lord said, what does your mind say about you? It would tell you who you are, a believer or unbeliever, a person led by a sinful nature or a person led by the spirit. That's what your mind, it, it'll tell you. It will also tell you what type of fruits you will produce. A person that thinks on the things of God will receive life and peace. Paul in Colossians 3 and 1, which is part of our scripture, he says this. He's calling the believers who are tempted to set their hearts and their minds on things above. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Everyone say above. Again, when he says above, he really means Christ and his kingdom. So how do we develop a heavenly mindset? So we know this. We know this in theory. So how do we really practically, saints, how do we have a heavenly mindset, a mind that is consumed with the things of God? That's the big question here. How do we do this? Okay, we know this in theory, but how do we do this? How do we, we're in this world and we're part of this world, we're working in this world, we're entering, but how do we keep our minds from being captured? How do we set our things on God, on above? So we're about to learn in this sermon today. A heavenly mindset is developed by focusing on our resurrected position. I'll say that again. A heavenly mindset is developed by focusing on our resurrected position. Listen, Paul says believers can develop a mindset by understanding their resurrected position in Christ. When Christ died, we died with him. When he was resurrected and went to heaven, we went with him. Listen to how Paul, he talks about this. He says, what I just said, this is how he articulate, articulates this in Ephesians 2. I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 6. And I'm reading on. He says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So at Christ's second coming, he will bring all the things into full submission to his will and all will bow and call him Lord. All things will be put under his feet. So the incredible thing about Christ's rule is that we're going to be with him. We're going to be with him. Romans 8 and 17 says this, that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is his is ours. You guys know what a co-heir is. An heir is something who has inherited something. And it now belongs to them. You are now the heir. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Paul says that our thinking should reflect about our resurrected Christ, the one who is seated at the right hand of God. 
In fact, Paul uses the same argument when he was talking about the believers suing each other in the church, going to the world to settle these matters. He was telling them, look, look at your resurrected position as we're dealing with these matters. Don't believe me? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. This is what Paul says. He's encouraging them to look at your resurrected position when dealing with matters. He says, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? Again, he implores him, says, do you not know, in verse 3, do you not know that we are to judge angels? He rebukes them for arguing and bringing, and bringing um, church disputes before the world in these civil cases. He says, look, he says, look don't you know your, your resurrected position in Christ? Don't you know that you're going to judge the world and angels? He's like, look, look at your resurrected position when dealing with these matters. God has given judgment over to the Son, and because we are seated with him, we'll judge the world and angels in his coming kingdom. Paul says, because of this reality... Shouldn't we be able to judge these small disputes in the church? I say all that to say is, in order to have a heavenly mindset, saints, we have to understand our resurrected position in Christ. Once again, Paul is reminding us whom we are. Not because of us, but because of who is within us. And that is Christ our Lord. So having a heavenly mindset kind of helps you put things in perspective. I am co-heirs with Christ. Now, none of these Christians, uh, they, were, they probably weren't thinking about their future role in Christ while they were disputing and arguing with each other. They were concerned about what they had and what loss that they had or what wrong was done to them. But Paul, essentially what he says, you should be thinking about your position in Christ. Paul essentially says that they should be thinking about their position in Christ and that one day they're going to judge the world with angels. So Paul talked that a heavenly mind should, be, should have affected how we handle disputes in church. So basically, having a heavenly mindset is first is really realizing who we as believers are in Christ. So if we're going to have a heavenly mind, we must first start thinking about our resurrected position with Christ. We have been raised with Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. Everything that the Son has is ours. As mentioned before, this seating reflects our unity with Christ and the authority that comes with it. When Christ told his disciples, he says, go and make disciples, he told them based upon his authority, which essentially he gave to them. The disciples worked on behalf of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Paul, in fact, reminds us that we are ambassadors to Christ. We are ambassadors in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We employ you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So yes, we are ambassadors for Christ. Once again, one of the things that we need to do is remember 
our position in Christ. As an, as an ambassador, you, everyone knows what an ambassador is. He goes somewhere with the message of the one who he's sending. Paul is not saying that he had the message of God, but he had the authority in God in saying it. Many of us, sometimes we're scared to witness to people. To people. A lot of times we're, we're kind of reluctant to work in the ministry that God has called us. A lot of times we're scared to talk to people about our faith, whether we know them well or not. I believe if we just really understood our position and the authority of Christ on the inside of us, that would drastically affect our ministry in a positive way. If we really understood whom we are in Christ. We wouldn't be so shy to talk to people about our faith. We wouldn't be so shy to witness. We wouldn't be so shy to go and work in the ministry and in the blessing that God has, has, has given to us. We wouldn't be. If we understood that, having that heavenly mindset, the work of God would just so much just excel. If we just understood our position like Paul did when dealing with a demon, what a wonderful world this would be. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. I want you to see something. Acts chapter 16. Verse 16. I'm going to tell you about Paul's experience in acting on, it, on the authority of Christ. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 10, and I'm reading. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Did Paul have special ability or authority within himself? No, he didn't. This authority came from whom he represented whom he was seated in. He told the demon to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul was an ambassador walking in the authority of Christ. And if we're going to have the right man's mindset, we must focus on our resurrected position. We're different from the rest of the world because of our position in the heavenly realms, and we must live like it. A heavenly mindset is developed by rejecting everything that is not from God. A heavenly mindset is developed by rejecting everything that is not from God. In verse, verse 2 from our scripture today, Colossians chapter 3, he says this, he says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Paul said we should not only seek things that are above, but to turn away from the earthly things, in order to think of heavenly thoughts. So not only should we think heavenly, but reject the earthly things. We must get rid of or keep away, or as he's described later, taking off these old clothing that we once walked in and put on these new type of clothing. 
We must reject these earthly things. We're called to get rid of lust, anger, envy, jealousy, and anything that is not of God. Colossians chapter 5, as we read before, this is what he says. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So he starts to give us a little list. Not a comprehensive list, but he gives us a good list. He says, this is these earthly things that, is in that we need to put off. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. All these things, he goes on to say, he says, take off this anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. He says, take off all these different things. So not only do we set our mind on things above, but he's like, take off all these things that was once in you. Take off these old clothing. That's how we have a heavenly mindset. Thinking those things are above and taking off these earthly things that so easily beset us. What does that mean in practicality? What does that mean? How do we do all that stuff in today's? That may mean that we shouldn't be watching certain TV shows. That's maybe a practical way. Maybe reading certain magazines or articles that we find on the internet. Maybe that means we shouldn't be consumed with certain books or listening to certain types of music or hanging around maybe certain people, especially those we find them that's taking us away from godly thoughts. So we have to relentlessly and we have to zealously protect our mind. These are some practical ways that we could protect our mind and set our things on those above. We must take every thought and bring it into submission unto Christ. Make no mistakes here. Our thoughts are not naturally neutral or innocent or harmless. They're not naturally like that. They're always bent towards sin. Our minds are either are set by Christ or something else. It's either consumed by Christ or something else. Our Christ is Christ Lord in your thoughts? And that's a question that we need to ask when we're approaching this, is do we have a Christ mindset concerning this? A heavenly mindset is also developed by focusing on our future in Christ. Focusing on our future in Christ. Notice all these things, having a heavenly mindset, we're looking forward to something. We're looking in the future. We're looking at our resurrected position. We're looking in the future in Christ. And that's what helps us not be captivated by looking forward because of the hope that we have in us. In verse 4 of our, in our text today, he says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Look at the hope that we have. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So in order to develop a heavenly mindset, we must also understand our future in Christ. Whatever you think about the future will affect how you live today. If you're consumed with being a doctor, for example, right, you'll constantly be thinking about your grades, preparing for exams, to get into med school, going to the best colleges that, that is good for medical students. Your thoughts about the future affects how you live today. So that's what a student does. You know, he's, uh, he or she, their mind is set on something in the future, so their thoughts are set on their actions today. And so should we be. 
We're looking in the future. So our future affects our thoughts today. In that same way, the heavenly mindset is developed through constantly thinking on the future in Christ. Paul says this. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The believer who truly understands this and focuses on Christ's second coming in our future, in the future glory will be consumed with it. If we're thinking about that, we'll be consumed. We'll be setting our minds on those things that are, are above. So how should the reality of Christ's second coming and our appearance with him in glory affect us? Look at what 1 John says. John, 1 John 3, chapter 2, verses 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. I'll go ahead and read. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now. Everyone say now. now. And, what will, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who has this hope should be purifying themselves. It is a process. That is what Paul is saying, setting our minds on things above. The second coming of Christ in the future glory should make us purify our thoughts, our conversations, our daily endeavors. It should transform us. Brothers and sisters, Satan is always after our minds. He realizes that if he can turn them away from heavenly things, he can turn our way to the earthly things. For as he thinks... Within himself, so is he, as the Proverbs say. The more earthly we think, the more earthly we become. We've all been guilty of it in some type of way. The more earthly we think, the more earthly we become. Our enemy is especially after our minds as believers. He will have one think about graduate school, marriage, retirement, all of it things. He'll have you consumed with anything that appears to be good as long as he can get it away from Christ's return and your position in Christ. Satan understands that anybody who has this hope purifies himself. What you think about the future affects how you live today. I'll say that again. What you think about the future affects how you live today. Paul wanted this church and all the believers to have a heavenly mindset. It would deliver them from much of the earthly teaching filled with deceptive philosophy that was threatening the church back then. He wanted them to, for them to get their minds off of all these convincing uh, philosophical arguments, things that had nothing to do with Christ. Developing a heavenly mindset, one that thinks on God and his kingdom, is very important to all of us. As a man thinks, so is he. Proverbs 23 and 7. That's paraphrasing it. As a man thinks, so is he. Right thinking leads to having the manifested presence of God in our lives. Godly thinking brings peace to the godly life. This is why Satan is always attacking our minds. He does it through our thoughts. He wants us to live like the world instead of living like the citizens of heaven waiting to become one with the king. So a heavenly mindset is developed by focusing on our resurrected position, 
by focusing on our, cru on Christ's, on our crucified position and focusing on the future in Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't just, we just drop out of life. It doesn't mean that just we just drop out of life and spend all of our time meditating on everything spiritual. The Lord expects us to work and live in this world. He expects us to work and live in this world. He expects us to interact into this world. But it does mean, as Jesus puts it, instead of working for food with perishes, we should work for the food which endures for to eternal life. We should seek First, God's kingdom and righteousness. We should begin each day thinking about God's perspective of things. We're separate from this world, dead to sin, but alive in Christ. We think about Christ as our life, who lives in and through us. Throughout the day, we should be bringing our thoughts back again and again to things that are above. The truest, thing, the truest thing about you is what God says about you. I want to say that again. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. How do you think about yourself determines how you act. Your thought life also determines to a large extent your emotions. Here Paul is saying that we must constantly, by deliberate choice, focus our thoughts on the risen Christ and the truth that we are totally identified with him. We was just singing today, I am a friend of God. He calls me what? Friend. I'll say it again. I am a friend of God. He calls me what? Friend. And if we're identified with Christ, and we don't know what our future is, that should affect how we live today. I am now in Christ. As that truth shapes our life, it becomes more and more evident that we're having a more and more heavenly mindset. So what is Paul saying? He says our heads, so to speak, should be in the clouds. We should keep seeking those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We should set our minds on things that are above and not the things that are on earth. Problems, difficulties, trials should cause us to seek Christ as our all-sufficient Savior. He's all that we need. When we're depressed, we should seek him as our joy. When we're anxious, we should seek him as our peace. When we're empty and we are emotionally drained, we should seek him as our fullness. When we lack wisdom, we should seek him and his word for the inside that we need. Wherever we lack, we should seek for Christ. We should seek for Christ. And so having this heavenly mindset, as we saw in the scripture, is taking up all these, all these different things that, that are earthly. All this jealousy, uh, malice, sexual immorality, all these different things, we should take them off. And we should put on all, and we, then if we take off all those old clothes, we have some new clothes that we put on. Humility, meekness, patience. Being able to bear with one another. And above all, love. The Ten Commandments is based upon love. Love of God and love of people. My brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Satan wants to captivate our minds. He wants us to forget or not know who we belong to. I believe as, as each and every one of us, we really reflect upon who we belong to and what our future is like. It'll affect our actions today. It is so easy to captivate the mind if we're not careful, especially becomes more and more easier as time and time goes on. There's so many things that's grabbing for our attention, so many different things. Everyone now has a pulpit, so to speak. Everyone has a philosophy that they want to spill into our minds and make it seem like it's true. But we have to set our minds on things of Christ. How it treats Christ lets us know if it's true. If it doesn't set Jesus as Lord and Savior, then automatically we know that it's not of God. And Satan is after our minds. Mine, yours, yours, and all the believers. He wants to captivate our mind. He wants to kidnap it. So my brothers and sisters, I encourage you today to set our minds on Christ. And that's why we come here each and every week, each and every, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every time we come here, and it is to set our minds on Christ. Christ plus nothing else is everything. I'll say that again. Christ plus nothing else equals everything. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful that you're concerned about our minds. We're so thankful that you make us aware of the attacks of the enemy. Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that we are identified with you and that we have a hope, and our hope is found in Jesus Christ. As we sang before, we are friends with you, and you call us friend. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that you, the creator of everything, you call us friend. So, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, as we go out into this world, we know that we're not exempt, but the world's still going to grasp for our mind. It's going to be grasping probably even more and more to captivate us. It's going to try to delude us with so many different things that sound convincing. And so, Father Lord, it is our prayer, Lord, that we do keep our mind set on things above. And that is you, Jesus Christ, who sits as Lord and King. So, Lord, we just ask, Lord, to just help us, Lord, throughout our daily life to have a Christly mindset. Every situation, Lord, help us to have a Christly mindset. Help us to think on those things that are above. And simply put, that's you, Jesus Christ. There may be someone today that says, you know what? I'm not identified with Jesus Christ, but I want to be. I want to have that same hope that when he comes again, that I'll be with him. Seated at the table with him, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. 
If there's someone here that wants to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your trust in him, today, right now, is an opportunity to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Co-heir with Jesus Christ. And he is richer than any man or woman on earth. You say, I want to be a co-heir with him, Jesus Christ. If that is you, you want to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You want the one who created everything that was ever made, and you want him to call you friend, I encourage you to lift up your hands, and we're going to pray with you. If you want to be a co-heir in Christ, you've never identified yourself with Christ and repented of your sin and want to become a new creature. If there is one here, now is the time. Now is the time. I was in, almost involved in an accident at 5 o'clock this morning. There was one man we had to pull out and the other person, I don't know if they're going to live. We think that we have another chance and another chance. But we just don't know. I'm sure that those people thought that they would make it home safely, unharmed. And as we do pray for them, but for one of them, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they're going to make it. Don't let that be one of us. Found outside of Christ. And then our time is up. If there is you, if there is one, you want to be a co-heir of Christ? If there's one, we're just going to pray with you and celebrate with you. Amen. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that because we're found in you, we're going to be co-heirs with you. Not because of anything that we did, but just because of your grace and your mercy, Lord. So, Father, Lord, help us to have a humble remembrance of who we are in you. Let us live it out each and every single day day of our life. When that people look at us, that they don't see us, that they see you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to continually always put off the old self, all these earthly things. Help us every day, Lord. Help us, Lord. We can't do it without you. And just put on the garment of love in Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for this gathering, for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, Lord, that our hearts truly receive your word and that we bear much fruit for your kingdom building. That is our prayer. So that at the time of judgment, Lord, that you will look at each and every one of us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That is our prayer. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us give the Lord a mighty round of applause. Amen.